AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Global Grain Outlook, New Production Technology, New Style Risk Management, Direct-to-Consumer Ranchers, Policy Challenges, Climate Smart Farming. We had conversations on all of those issues yesterday, and we're going to share a couple of those conversations with you today. From the glorious return of our beloved host via Farm <laughs> Journal broadcast, this is AgriTech. This morning we begin with a conversation with Kevin McNew from FBN. Then it's Ken Barbick, head of policy and global government relations at FBN. And right after the news, Greg Henderson from Drovers. I'm Handsome Newsman Davis Michelson, and now the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. All right, Davis. Yeah, thank hey, you. Thank you, man. Uh, made my way over and back from yeah, the farmer to farmer event that fbn is uh, wrapping up today in omaha uh-huh. had a great day great Good. day caught caught up with some friends uh, made some uh, some new friends and uh learned a lot learned uh-huh. a lot about some of the new technology that is coming to the market uh, in many different ways uh from uh, cattle uh, feed yard efficiency tracking to get this. This is something that I, I want to get these guys on the show at some point okay. to talk about this. But they are electrifying seed just before they plant it. Ooh. And it wakes up the seed is the claim. And they've got the trial data uh, to, uh, that, to at least pique my interest enough mm-hmm. to – to want to learn more about what is going on with it. But, yeah, I mean, running electricity through the seeds, kind of a, a, a high-tech way of doing it, of course. Wow, yeah. But uh, really an interesting concept that they are, are putting to work out there in the field. We'll get the guys on and, and talk about that at some point. Yeah, I so, can't, help but, can't help but wonder how many uh... – how many scientists, you know, got that, you know, that electrical, sh- it's not terrible when you're working on, on home wiring, you know, right, but you, right. I would imagine you, you stick a kernel of corn into an outlet. You're, you're bound to feel something, you know, <laughs> something as they were, you know, I wonder what would happen if we, you know, who was that first guy? Right. They probably right. have, have refined the technique since then. I would imagine. I, I, I would imagine, I would imagine, but they are, you know, it, the claim here is that it's not new technology. It is borrowed technology really? and concepts uh-huh. from other areas, medical profession in, in, for one, uh, in in using electricity in different ways to to get to gain the desired results. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Let's get cool. to the news. What do you got this morning, bud? Well, hey man, we've got a, a daily sale. I, I feel like we should. Highlight here, 18, uh, 118,000 metric tons of beans for delivery to China during the 22-23 marketing year and 718,000 metric tons yeah. of beans for delivery to unknown destinations during the 22-23 marketing year. That's, uh, that's a pretty decent bump, Chip. 
Yeah, it it is. There's no question. There's no question. It's just when I see some coincidence in numbers, it makes me scratch my head. I wonder okay. if there's not going to be a correction coming later. I'm not. Oh. I'm not predicting. I'm not predicting, but I am going to be watching for it because that 118, 718,000. Yeah. It. Uh, we we need to keep our eyes open for a correction later. Well, and uh, speaking of exports, the U.S. exported 301.1 million pounds of beef during October. That's a record for the month. Beef shipments increased 25.3 million pounds from September. Uh, from September and 26.6 million tons from October 2021 through the first 10 months of 2022, the U.S. shipped 2.993 billion pounds of beef, up 5.1% from the same period last year, driven by a 26% increase in exports to China. Uh, yeah? Yeah? Nope, nope, go ahead. Nothing? Mexican Secretary of Economy Raquel Buenrostro told reporters in Mexico Wednesday the decree to bar imports of GMO crops into Mexico will be pushed back to 2025, adding the country is looking to put together a plan that will make clearer the presidential decree. Mexican President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador said after meeting with USDA Secretary Vilsack, Mexico would allow imports of GMO yellow corn for animal feed over the next two years while the government studies any potential impacts on human health. You know, this is an interesting change because, you know, by allowing the import of GMO yellow corn does suggest, well, it does more than suggest yep. that this ban was intended for Yellow corn for GMO yellow mm. corn and to keep it out of animal feed. Um, it, I don't know. I mean, we've got 30 years of evidence right. already piled up. I don't know what more he's looking for. What other study can he can he run? Well, in other news, Pennsylvania Republican Glenn G.T. Thompson wants Congress to strengthen crop insurance and farm subsidy programs so producers do not have to rely on stopgap federal aid to survive challenges like trade wars natural disasters and COVID-19. Thompson had this to say. Nearly 80% of the federal funding to producers since 2018 has come from outside the Farm Bill baseline, largely due to inefficient, costly disaster relief. These ad hoc programs have provided necessary assistance, but farmers can't plan for them and lenders can't depend on them. Well, that's why we need to enhance the farm safety net provisions in the Farm Bill. That chip, some industry experts say a status quo farm bill is possible because of the small majorities in the House and Senate and a potential lack of new funding sources for the new farm bill. And one more thing quickly, this will make you feel yeah. good. The Christmas tree industry wants Americans to know there will be enough trees available to meet the demand for real Christmas trees, Chip. All right. All right. But I can tell you this, inflation has hit the Christmas tree market as well. I know you that for a fact. Oh, from experience you speak, eh? <laughs> yes, I speak with experience. Thank you, Davis. You Let's bet. bring in Greg Henderson, Editorial Director at Drovers. Good morning, Greg. Good morning, Chip. All right. So tell me, what's going on in this uh, in the beef cutout market? You know, Chip, we are at a really unusual point in this cattle cycle. We definitely see increasing market leverage for cattle feeders, tighter supplies of fed cattle. And we've seen that price go up, right? So that should be supportive of wholesale beef prices. What we're seeing right now is extreme volatility in that wholesale beef market. The choice cut out has gone up $6 one day and down $6 uh, mm -hmm. another day. Yesterday was a rally, by the way. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and we're in that window between Thanksgiving and Christmas 
when retailers have their holiday needs filled. So you would expect a little volatility and lower prices. Now what we're seeing with that rally yesterday and today is that they're buying ahead. Uh, they're buying for featuring in January already. Um, wow. So what this is suggesting, uh, Chip, is that this consumer demand that we've been talking about all year is really resilient. Even in the face of inflation and these recession fears that we see, uh, and, and it goes to say that competition between beef, pork, and poultry is probably going to be pretty strong come January. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and from from the Packers' standpoint, I, I you know, they can get cattle when they need them. I understand that. But as we get closer and closer to those tighter supplies, it feels like they're trying to get as many as they can while there's still some available there in the in the feedlot. So, Good stuff, Greg. Thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you Thank next you. week. All right. All right. That's Greg Henderson, Editorial Director at Drovers. I spent the day at Farmer to Farmer in Omaha, FBN's big annual event. Spent the day there yesterday. We've got a couple of conversations coming your way from there next. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Agritalk is brought to you by Ethos XB Insecticide Fungicide from FMC. Get serious seedling defense to defend against the toughest early season pests and diseases. Choose Ethos XB Insecticide Fungicide for app plant defense. Welcome back to Agritalk. We are live in Omaha. Actually not live. What was there yesterday at the Farmer to Farmer event from Farmers Business Network. Kevin McNew is the chief economist at FBN. We've talked to Kevin a lot. Welcome back. It's good to see you this yeah, time. Yeah, good to see you yeah. in Omaha. We keep running into each other in the That's Midwest. Right. Tell me about F2F. Yeah. What is it? Why is it? Yeah, Farmer to Farmer is our big trade show for our farmers to come to Omaha and really kind of see all the things that FBN's doing to really help provide you know, differentiated service, markets, transparency, you know, products that are fair and level to all farmers in the industry. And so it's a showcasing of us. It's also a showcasing of, you know, unique information and insights. You know, yesterday we hosted our NASA summit on climate 
talking about some of the issues that we think are important to farmers. We're going to be talking about policy. We're going to be talking about sustainability. So it's not just a business-centric yeah. thing. It's like, you know, it's really kind of touch on all things that farmers are caring about. Tell me about the NASA summit. Mm -hmm. What were the, what was the, the, the primary topics discussed? Yeah, there's a wide swath of topics, but okay. if I could hit on a few of them, I think, first of all, we, we asked our farmers going into this, do they think weather's getting more extreme? And just like the rest of the country, farmers are split down the middle. Okay. Some think weather's getting more extreme, some thinks it's staying the same. Okay. okay. Now, we had some really interesting meteorologists who I've known for decades come on who are very unbiased and objective and said, you know what? Certain things are getting more extreme or getting trending. Yep. One is temperature. Yep. They show us data that suggests, you know, over time temperature is getting warmer, but is weather like Sun, thunderstorms and, and all these kind of things that we see, are those getting more extreme? There's no data to kind of suggest that's the case. So it's a mixed bag on kind of that. But if the, if the world is getting warmer, then there's things that are probably going to change, like growing degree days are going right. to get longer or get, get more. Season length is going to change. All those things are going to change over time. So we talked about that. New technologies were really interesting. Green ammonia chip. You know, right yeah. now, right. everyone is like the price of anhydrous, the price of urea. Yeah. So we had a really interesting uh, researcher from University of Minnesota who's doing, you know, for the last decade, research on solar into green ammonia production. And he's excited about the potential that will have in farming, not in decades, but in the coming years. Really? And I think that could be a disruptor. Who doesn't want to see a lot cheaper a anhydrous? A little competition on the anhydrous side? Absolutely. Why not? Exactly. Why not? Yeah, good stuff. Uh, what about crop data, crop measurement that NASA is doing? Did you discuss that? Yeah, I mean, there's certainly a lot. You know, we're all trying to get better information from sure. satellites. NASA at the forefront of that. We had our team from NASA, our partners, talk about what they're doing in that space. You know, a lot of it's around yield forecasting. You, you and I kind of understand a yep. lot of that. But it's also things like, you know, expansion in Brazil. You know, we had some researchers yeah. from University of Maryland who talked about, yeah, Brazil is lockstep continuing to grow year after year on on moving into not necessarily rainforest. You know, we right. all kind of think like they're tearing down the rainforest. It's really moving into pasture, but it's it's growing the and there's no sign exactly there's yeah. no sign that it's letting up so those are the kind of things that i think satellites are helping us with. you know it, it, exactly and with some of the new legislation or new rules and regs that the european union is pushing through about we're not going to be importing beef from a country that is participating in deforestation right it, this changes markets. Yeah. The policy changes markets all the time, doesn't it? Absolutely. And so now we're going to have, you know, issues around how sustainable is it? You ESG. Know, we, we, yep. we had a, another panelist was a, a VP for um, the Midwest Poultry uh, yep. Company, big, big uh, laying, egg laying company. And they're talking about their sustainability program. They're trying to get net neutral eggs. You know, how are they going to do that? Through feed. And they talk about like, you know, corn production is nearly all of their carbon footprint for those hens. Yeah. And so if they can solve that problem, yeah. then they can solve their carbon problem with eggs. Isn't that something? Right. Okay, policy impacting the markets. We got the renewable volume obligations from EPA, proposed mm -hmm. obligations uh, from EPA last week. 
This bean oil market didn't like it at all, did it? No, it sure didn't, Chip. I mean, talk about a pinprick in a bubble. You know, we've yeah. had the bean oil market really, really jazzed for the last year and a half, really, on the renewable diesel push. Yeah. Uh, and so that announcement was certainly, you know, causing some people to leave the building. I don't think it's a fire that's going to spread. I think, and here's why. Because really where renewable diesel gets its strength from is the California LCFS, Absolutely. the low carbon fuel standard. Yep. That's where all the gunpowder is in this market. Yeah. And that's not anything to do with RFS. Right. So I think it was just kind of a, it was kind of a trimmer, but it's not a real phenomenon. Yeah, another source of gunpowder for the, the whole renewable diesel are, are refiners mm -hmm. and the investments that, that refiners are making on their facilities to make renewable diesel and in the crush facilities to make the bean oil. The, after we get this big sell-off in bean oil, we get the announcement of a new crush facility <laughs> going in up at Grand Forks with refiner investment. Exactly, and that's what's so cool about this, Chip. I mean, you remember the early days of ethanol. It was all corn farmers, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was corn farmers that were piling into the ethanol game because big oil didn't want anything to do with it. This is a much different animal yep. because big oil and big ag are in, in cahoots. Yeah. You got ADM and Marathon, you got Bungie and Chevron. They all see the future and, and biodiesel or renewable diesel is completely replaceable with yeah. regular diesel. Ethanol yep. was not. I think it's different. Yep. It's a different animal. You know, just go down memory lane here. Mm -hmm. I knew you before the RFS. Yeah. And I knew what you did and the data that you had, but when the RFS came around and the farmer investment in ethanol started coming around, I was looking at your cash grain information right. every day because we were looking for the basis holes, yep. the black holes of basis, drop an ethanol plant right, right in the middle there. of it. Right there. Mm -hmm. And now there's those black holes aren't there anymore. Nope. Same thing's gonna happen on the bean market. Why are they building beans in, in, in North Dakota, right? Exactly. Because that's where the weakest basis is. Exactly. And you can put it on rail to California. So. And and we, we talked a, a little bit about climate and so on. That climate in North Dakota is pretty doggone good for growing <laughs> beans. Right? It's gonna so, get better. And it's, gonna, it's it, the trend. Yeah. That yeah. is the trend. So it's very interesting to see the investment in the Northwest production areas. Exactly. No question. Yeah. No question. What else? Uh, when we do the global outlook, what's the thing that it, when you do the mm -hmm. global outlook for the, the group here at F2F, right? Uh, what's going to be your main focus? You know, my takeaway is what we see today, which is high grain prices, commodity prices, but also high input costs. I don't think that landscape changes in the next year and maybe even longer. This is not a return to normal or return to mean situation we're in anytime soon because we have some really big drivers. Certainly the Russia-Ukraine conflict is not easy enough, but we have systematic issues. One of the big takeaways I'll have in my talk today is that in the last decade, global demand for grain and oil seeds, and that includes coarse grains, that includes you know oil seeds, that includes wheat, Global demand for those three sectors has outpaced the growth in global supplies. That is a reversal of the last 30 to 40 years that you and I grew up in yeah. agriculture where we were outpacing, we had more grain and oil seeds than we knew what to do with. Right. It's changed, it's changed and I don't think we fix that and we deflate prices anytime soon. It doesn't soon. feel like the market has made the final adjustment to that whole, um, 
change as well. And the reason that I'm saying that is because what you're really talking about is a competition for acres going forward, Absolutely. right? Absolutely, right. absolutely. So the, the futures market has always been forward-looking. It needs to become even more forward-looking in the future. Yeah, yeah, right. I think the futures market, when we say forward-looking, is a month, yeah. maybe three yeah. months, but multi-year horizon, Yep. We're not really doing that as a world. And I think we're going to wake up, probably are waking up now to kind of this shift of demand outstripping supply. Yeah. And I think, and that was some of the themes from the NASA summit as well, that, you know, researchers are showing like with climate change. And again, I know there's going to be skeptics out there, but even with conservative estimates of climate change, it will be hard for supplies to keep up with demand. Uh, what's interesting is like the last time we saw the big Mississippi River drought was 2012, but before that it was 1999. That was the last time we've had a La Nina persist as long as yeah. we have this year. So I do think, you know, I, I hear farmers and I agree with them that there's seasonal long-term cycles of weather and yep. we're in a long-term cycle. And, and I do think like, you know, talking to farmers here at F2F. Kansas farmers are really worried. Yeah. Nebraska farmers are really worried. They yep. skated by in some cases, or didn't have a good year, yep. but some farmers skated by last year and the, the fall has not been kind. Right. And what does the spring bring? All right, Kevin, have fun at the show. Appreciate you making time for us. That is Kevin McNew. He is the economist there at FBN. We're gonna be back for a policy conversation with Ken Barbick next, right here on AgriTalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. Joining us now, ProFarmer editor Brian Grady Beach. Corn and wheat, they tried to build on yesterday's gains, uh, but soybeans are the only ones that are really getting that done. Yeah, so I'll start with soybeans. Uh, good, strong weekly export sales, over 1.7 yeah. million tons, and then two daily sales of over 800,000. Uh, so, uh, or 180,000, I'm sorry. Uh, and, uh, you know, it just, like, the, the demand side of the these markets is completely uh, the story right now with uh, soybeans uh, continuing to see more demand and, and uh, corn and wheat not. Uh, the wheat export sales were poor this morning again, yeah. so another reminder of, of that uh, poor demand. Right, right, okay. Um, the momentum in this bean market, it is bumping up against some overhead resistance. Can we Can we find a way to get through that? 
Well, I, I think that we not only have to clear the immediate overhead resistance, but $15 is a big hurdle that yeah. uh, stands in our way. So uh, we'll see. Uh, we're going to need more demand, I think, uh, for that to happen. But uh, we'll see. Uh, the Argentine uh, dryness drought situation is obviously yeah. a, a market factor as well. Yeah, absolutely. Hog market uh, back under pressure again today. Yeah, uh, just, you know, we ran it up uh, late last week and on Monday and, and have re- erased pretty much everything that uh, we gained yeah. on, on those days, those three days. So uh, just, a, you know, more more price pressure and, and negative here, um, you know, just taking premium out of those, uh, especially the, the deferred contracts. On the cattle side of things, uh, you know, even uh, with the futures below the, the cash market uh, and cash trading about steady so far this week, uh, it's just struggling to find buyer interest, just mild uh, gains so far. That's Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady on Markets Now. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm your host, Chip Flory. We're providing some coverage from Farmer Business Network Farmer to Farmer event in Omaha. Joining us now, Ken Barbick. He is the head of policy and global government relations at FDN, Farmers Business Network. Ken, welcome to AgriTalk. Great, great to be here today. Thanks. Okay. So I think some people might be surprised that FDN has a head of policy and global government relations. Mm-hmm. What is it that you do day to day representing FDN? Yeah, that's a great question. I've been with the company now for about a year and a half. And uh, prior to that, I was at USDA. I was the head of congressional relations uh, there uh, while Sonny Perdue was secretary. Uh, FBN created this function with my hire about a year and a half ago. And the thinking was, you know, at the time, we need, they needed someone that was going to be able to bring all of the different uh, matters related to policy and government together in you know one function and one person we are selling a number of products that are highly regulated so we sell a number of generic crop protection products seed biologics other things we're in the crop insurance space so a number of different uh, products that we are selling have a lot of government overlap uh, with them and then also as the network has been growing we wanted to be thinking through also you know how do we represent our farmer customer as well and how do we think through the issues of farmer profitability and you know obviously there's a lot of organizations and voices in Washington but how can we distinctly bring that to bear uh, in that uh, in that space that's interesting and and with the data that FBN collects on a regular basis with ad hoc disaster payments mm-hmm. becoming more the norm than Less ad hoc uh, yeah uh, it, uh, it that has to play a role in some of the the efforts that you that, that you put forth in Washington, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean you see more and more programs coming out of Washington. The Climate Smart Commodity Program, yep. disaster programs, as you mentioned. We've got a farm bill coming up, and all of those have an impact on farmers. And you know, as a company, we are engaging with a lot of those programs, and so we want to make sure again that we're doing that with the farmer in mind and then making sure we're positioned you know, effectively Interesting. as those things are coming out. Interesting, okay. Yeah. The panel that you were part of at, uh, at Farmer to Farmer, mm-hmm. 
with Colin Peterson, Greg Abba, mm -hmm. I mean, just an outstanding panel mm -hmm. right there, talking about the farm bill and, and so on the, that that's going to be tackled in 2023. Yep. It's going to be tackled. It's going to, they're, they're going to attempt to get it done. What do you think the odds are that they will get it done? Yeah, that's a great question. First of all, on the panel, I'm really excited, you know, for both, yeah. you know, both those folks to join. I've had the opportunity to work, you know, with Colin Peterson yeah. when he was chairman of the Ag Committee. And then, you know, Greg Ibot when he was at USDA, we were colleagues together, both yeah. just, you know, great voices and thinkers on ag policy have been around for a long time so i'm really excited to have that you know even that bipartisan kind of uh panel session up there to talk about you some bet. of these some of these issues um you know in terms of the farm bill in 2023 the leaders are expressing optimism that they're going to get it done mm -hmm. you know chairman uh, likely chairman thompson has been talking about his desire to get a bipartisan bill done and get it done on time uh, you know, both um, Senator Stabenow and Bozeman have been talking about the same thing. Um, you know, right now, some of the challenges, you know, that we see, you know, farm bills have not been done, you know, officially on time at the deadline, right. really, ever. Um, so I think you're going to have a lot of logistical challenges, you know, with the new Congress coming yes. in, you know, the, the change in majority, change in leadership at the committee on the House side it's going to take just some time for them to get up and running in terms of you know structure of the committee so i i think while there's a lot of optimism being expressed i think there are some structural things that they're going to have to work through you know to get that done yeah i think that's part of the reason that the gop is moving as quickly as they are to establish the leadership that's right in in the house so that they can get the leadership of the committee set and yep. moving forward and start to get that agenda in place. I mean, GT wants to be running when on, on January 3rd. That's right. Yeah, yep. uh, no question about no, it. And they're, they're definitely taking action. And one other thing I would say yeah. also, you, know, you mentioned ad hoc disaster. And one of the yeah. things we'll talk about you know, in this panel is you've had such a, a, a large number of programs that have been spending in farm country. So we're gonna look, take a look at that and how that's gonna interact with this farm bill debate because yeah. you've had you know, trade payments, you've had the COVID relief payments, you've had, yes. you, know, you have now the Climate Smart Ag uh, Commodity Program, you've had ad hoc disaster programs, you have the Inflation Reduction Act that's put $20 billion into conservation. Yeah. So you have all of these different avenues of spending that have occurred over the last five years that are not farm bill spending. Right. And I think the conversation and the debate over how that is going to overlay with a, you know, likely a flat baseline in the farm bill, there's going to be yeah. a lot of work that has to go into how do we think about the safety net and whatnot in context of these other programs. Flat baseline for the farm bill doesn't make me feel good about improving the safety net. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll see what CBO does with the new projections, you know, coming out next year. But you know, from what we've seen, you know, from the May twenty twenty two numbers, yeah. there's you know the pie is going to be you know roughly what it is. Yeah, to think about dividing. Speaking with uh, uh, Senate ranking member of the Senate Ag Committee, uh, Senator Bozeman, earlier this week, talked about some of the CCC funding. Mm -hmm or the funds that have been used for some of the programs mm -hmm. that you listed mm -hmm. off, you know, the, it, it was the trade payments. It was the, uh, uh, well, the, the climate smart farming programs. He really wants to take a close look mm -hmm. at how USDA is using CCC funds going forward. It's, it's, that, that's gotta be a spot that, that 
is going to be examined very closely, isn't it? I think it will be. I think yeah. that, you know, the programs that were done, you know, the Trump administration were also looked at, you know, got a yeah. lot of uh, lot of oversight. I think that as we look at this Climate Smart Commodity Program, you know, FBN is on two of the grant awards. A lot of lot of producer, yep. producers and producer groups are. I think the key For factor is the, the key yeah. factor, the key factor is going to be are those resources going to farmers right. ultimately? And the secretary has made it clear that that's their intention. And I think that's going to be what folks are looking at. Are yeah. farmers getting the resources? Are they having you know measurable and tangible impacts on some of yeah. these practices and outcomes? And that's going to determine the success yep. of the program. So. All right. All right. Uh, you mentioned that Representative Thompson is going to be a new leader of the House mm -hmm. Ag Committee. Uh, he's got experience. He's going to be able to manhandle this process, I, I got to believe. But with so many new members of Congress that have zero farm bill experience, the education effort that's going to have to take place before he can even get yep. to real negotiation is going to... It, it, it's basically overwhelming, isn't it? I mean, there's, as you said, there's a lot of new members coming yeah. in. Obviously, people look at the top line numbers of, you know, Republicans are picking up a net of, you know, a yeah. handful of seats to take the majority. But I read recently that something like a third of the total membership, between 25% and a third of the total membership, is is over overturning in the, the House with yeah. retirements and members defeated. So. To your point, there's going to be a lot of education in the House in particular, the Senate. There's going to be a lot of returning senators, particularly on the committee. But the House Ag Committee, there's going to be a lot of new members. So that's something that FBN, we're thinking about. How do we play in that education yep. space? We have a lot of resources, yeah. Good. a lot of data that we've we've put together. So we're, we're doing that work now to think through how can we help some of these new staff members, new yep. members understand not just what the farm bill is not just what some of these broad farm policy issues are but what do farmers think about these things and yes. how do these policy decisions impact what's happening in their businesses good one thing i've seen in my career usda and now you know a lot of these issues you know there's a lot of bipartisanship around them but that bi bipartisanship goes both in terms of the understanding of the issues yeah. and sometimes also in folks who are opposed to some right. of the farm bill uh, kind of considerations. Absolutely. You've got members, you know, both on the right and the left who kind of come together, not really understanding how crucial some of these issues are. And we're going to try to do a lot of work to educate some of these new folks coming in so that they can see some of that. Well, that's uh, that's outstanding yep. because that is an effort that is is going to take time. When I talk with the commodity groups, they tell me the number one priority is don't hurt my crop insurance. That's right. Yep. Is that the number one priority? You know, we'll see. Uh, I think that's right. Uh, one of the things we're going to be doing with this panel today, we're going to have a live audience poll uh, yep. of the of the farmers who are sitting there in the room to get their live take on what some of their priorities are, uh, both in terms of the farm bill and in terms of uh, other farm policy. So I think that's exactly right, and we'll see. You know what the audience has to say about that yeah. this afternoon. Do you think it's okay to ask for more than that? Why not get the improvement in the safety nets too? Yeah, well, I think what we've seen again with the spending in these other programs, yeah. and you know, the conversation will happen this afternoon. Uh, you know, we've been doing spending through these disaster programs and through the CCC. Yep. Some of the decisions and uh, issues around the budget and how things are offset 
in the farm bill, mm -hmm. those conversations don't have, have to happen in the same way That's right. when you're looking at a disaster bill. So I think the conversation needs to happen. You know, we've had yeah. this spending, there's clearly a need in farm country right. for these things. Right. As we see geopolitical uncertainty increase, yep. the United States has had a policy of producing more than we can consume as yes. a country because that enables us to have national security. We yep. have no fear of famine in this country. Glad you said national security and not just food security. Well, I think that's exactly right. I mean, we've yeah. seen countries that don't have access to a food supply. Right. You see what Sri Lanka did earlier yeah. this year and what that did to their government. And what's happening in the Netherlands. And I think most Americans have not necessarily, you know, understood or been educated yeah. that, you know, the, the abundance that we have in this country and the policy that has led to that yeah. is really one of the basis, basis of our national security. And we project that power through our exports and other opportunities too. Outstanding. Ken, thank you so much for the conversation. Thank Appreciate you. Great it. Great talking to you today. All right, that is Ken Barbic, Head of Policy and Global Government Relations at FBN. All right, when we come back on AgriTalk, Davis and I will wrap up today's coverage from Farmer to Farmer. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. AgriTalk is brought to you by the NRCS Conservation Stewardship Program, which cost shares more than 150 practices on farms and ranches. Visit your local service center or farmers.gov today. And welcome back to AgriTalk, everybody. Your pal Davis Michelson here. Chip Flory joins. Glad to have you back, buddy. You bet. Happy to be here. Uh, I want to chat it up just a little bit, but first, let's get to today's Yields in the Fields. Yields in the Fields on AgriTalk is brought to you by Microessentials from Mosaic, the science of more. Discover our proven products. Text YIELDS to 31313. This morning, we turn our gaze towards central Illinois, where a farmer writes, quote, decent yields this year. Corn and beans are in, NH3 applied. Time to put my feet up, dot, 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 for a minute or two. Yields in the Fields brought to you by Microessentials from Mosaic Chip. No such thing as a day off on the farm, but you got to put your feet really. up once in a while, don't you? Yes, yes, absolutely. They weren't doing it much yesterday along I-80 uh, in central Iowa. It, it, you know, I got to thinking about it. It was Pearl Harbor Day. Uh-huh. Normally, they're... I, I don't know if normally is correct or not, but it, it's not unusual to see a blanket of snow out there across the country. And right. 
yesterday on let's see i was i was north of des moines on on 35 and the lights were out in the field uh they were still mm-hmm. putting anhydrous down yep. and and getting after it so it, it the uh the, the fall season and the fall fertilizer application season is not going to get in the way of increasing corn acres for 2023 because if if uh, guys needed to get something done this fall, it looks like they've had plenty of opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were a couple of things. I, I, I was just too productive this morning, Chip. Oh. Or, I wrote too much news. I've got one here that I want to I want to bring up. Because uh, okay. I feel like it's it's very pertinent. Uh, Bungie CEO Greg Heckman. Bungie? Bungie. 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 Uh, CEO Greg Heckman predicts U.S. renewable diesel production capacity should hit 5 billion gallons by 2024. Heckman recently said his company has not changed its own capacity plans after the recent RFS blending requirements did not increase as much as the industry expected. Meanwhile, J.P. Morgan says the EPA's proposal on biofuel blending requirements calls for a, quote, surprisingly low amount of growth, and they worry about an oversupply of biodiesel without large enough mandates. Chip? Yeah, I had a couple of conversations on this very topic yesterday with some some people that, that follow the situation very, very closely. The attitude, I, I think that, that you should not alter your expectations based on what is legitimately a floor of demand. Mm-hmm. Uh, it puts no cap in place. It is as far as they can tell, it doesn't slow down the investment in the crush facilities. It does not slow down the investment in the refining capacity to generate and, and produce renewable diesel. That. It, I think that's that's playing out. The new crush facility uh, up in Grand Forks that was announced earlier this week is Epitome Energy. It, it's not it, it's not a traditional soybean crusher that is putting up this crush facility. It is an energy company mm. that is doing it so that they can get the feedstock for renewable diesel. Um. So I don't think it slows things down at all. Honestly, it's it's going to be the uh, – th- there is the portion of it that will be driven by some of the state rules and regs. The California's low-carbon fuel standard, for example, that will drive some of the demand. But the the other demand that is anticipated from this market is – is uh, those that want to participate in the ESG uh, in- mm. environment. Yep. Uh, as a farmer, you can say that, that climate change is bunk, and you can have that belief if, if that is what you want to believe. That's fine. But the consumers... Uh, are committed to doing what they think they can do to make a difference. And renewable diesel is part of what they think they can do to make a difference. So I, as, as long as this trend remains in place, Davis, I don't think it slows down. Yeah. 
I agree. I agree. Um, also, from this morning's news, looks like prices of used vehicles are coming down, hit the lowest level in over a year last month, mm-hmm. uh, fell from record levels as in- interest rates rise, new cars held back by supply constraints become more widely available. Glad to see uh, used vehicles coming down a little bit and uh, some new cars coming right, uh, is, becoming is, more available. Is, is GP running out of gas or something? GP's running strong. He's got another 100, maybe 150,000 miles Good. in GP. Good. I'm Love not worried about that. that. But, you know, not <laughs> not everyone is so fortunate as, as myself. to have a GP. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, no, you're you're exactly right. And the the decline in the car prices um, in the face of the higher interest rates, mm-hmm. that that monthly payment yeah. is still significant. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's taking a, bi- a bite out of disposable incomes and the money that can then be turned around and spent at the grocery store, for example. So it's uh, it, it is still a chunk of money that a lot of consumers are having to deal with. Absolutely. I uh, haven't priced uh, burros lately, but, uh, you know, it, it's starting to feel like a pretty good alternative. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it might be a little <laughs> slow and unreliable, though, Davis. I'm, well, I'm, you'll get there. Sure. I, I just don't know sure. when and what kind of shape you'll be in when you do get there. But. Well, I'm a, I'm a simple man, you know. Are you, are you going with a cart with this burrow or just kind of a saddle blanket? I'll, I'll throw on the optional cart if I can afford the payments. Sure. Sure, why not? <laughs> I'm pricing Love it. it. Two, two-wheel drive. <laughs> two-wheel drive right there. All right. Thank you so much for listening uh, this morning. Thanks to the people over at Farmer to Farmer and FBN for yesterday. That was an enjoyable day that I got to spend. Come back this afternoon. We've got Mac Marshall from USB.